Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. Welcome to Habs Unfiltered, your home for Montreal Canadiens news, information, and entertainment. Your hosts are Blaine Padvang of the Hockey Writers, Matt Smith, and Treg Toxic Wilson. Are you in the market? For quality sticks and equipment you can afford, there is a no-frills, no-nonsense company that wants to provide that to you, No Name Hockey. No Name Hockey is a small Canadian company started by former pro player Jason Goulet. When he retired, he searched for sticks that felt like when he was a pro but could never find the right one or one that was reasonably priced. So he decided to start No Name Hockey. Now No Name offers high-quality, customized sticks at a fair price. They won't try to wow you with a fancy name. They will focus on providing you a pro-stock quality stick that you can afford. The cost of sticks has gone through the roof due to sponsorships and licensing fees. No Name Hockey makes sticks for the no-names and players currently making a name. And welcome to the 60th episode of Habs Unfiltered. Uh, this week, you, I am joined, I'm your host, Blaine Padvang, and I'm joined by Treg Toxic Wilson. Hey, Treg. Hey, hey, what's going on? Oh, not a heck of a lot. Um, our listeners this week may notice that we are short one host, Matt Smith. Yes, old Matty Smith, or Mike as I like to call him. Yeah, well, Corporal Smith is at work preparing aircraft so that Canada can conduct search and rescue operations, training, and even warfighting. So, you know, he's doing the Air Force hero thing. Yeah, good for him. Totally. I wonder if that includes just sitting in a chair drinking coffee while they talk about what they're going to do. Include or features I'm, I'm, mostly? I'm assuming that's exactly all it is, but I, I don't really know. Well, I mean, they don't call it the chair force for nothing. <laughs> and he's not here to defend himself. <laughs> he doesn't defend himself anyway. Well, he would if he were here. But yeah, like maybe. a typical Air Force type, they're always off on some coffee break. Yeah. <laughs> Eat, eating donuts. <laughs> oh, or even worse, wearing those uh, aviator sunglasses with the... Uh, the uniform half down so they can throw football at each other and pretend they're in the Top Gun movie. <laughs> jean shorts. Oh, God. Cut off jean shorts <laughs> with the pockets hanging out. They feel the need, the need for speed. Oh, damn. <laughs> <laughs> but we're Canadian, so we don't have much speed. <laughs> no, no. No, but you know Matt's going to be in Top Gun 2. And I didn't know that. The Canadian version. It's uh, oh, yeah. It, it's uh, it's a bunch of hosers who attack, uh, uh, who jump over the Canadian privacy hedge, and uh, steal some donuts from uh, from the uh, Dunkin' Donuts in the United States. It, is it is it the can we borrow that gun instead of Top Gun? <laughs> it, pardon me, sir. Can can I borrow that gun? Hey, hey, dude. <laughs> hey, I was wondering if uh, if you're done with that gun, eh? Uh, if we could like borrow it, you know, eh? Oh, God. All right. <laughs> I think we're done crapping on poor Matt, who's actually working. <laughs> well, we're not. <laughs> um, all right. So this week's episode, um, we'll cover uh, some stuff that happened over the week. Uh, Mark Bergevin did a few interviews, mentioned who he's going to keep, who he's going to go. And we'll just dive right into it. Um, Claude Julian, he is staying 
the GM has declared that he is keeping the coach who is under contract for another year on staff. I am completely shocked at that whole statement. My God. I mean, aren't you? Well, most general managers at the end of the year say we are not bringing our coach back, like, you know, two weeks before the end of the season or a month before the end of the season. It's Especially common when they're under contract for the next year. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, I don't mind Julian as a coach. I just don't think he's the right coach for this team. Um, I think the team is built sort of as a young, offensive-minded team, and uh, I don't think they fit right in Julian's defense-first type system. That's just my opinion or what I see. It's nothing against Julian as a coach, uh, but I'm not shocked that he's coming back. Like The players seem to like him. Uh his system works when it's played right. And, you know, uh, a big reason why I think he goes with the veterans is because he trusts the veterans and he trusts them that they're going to play the system. Even if they make mistakes, he trusts that they're not going to make the mistake again. Uh, whereas some rookies, uh, will do that. But if they're in a retool and it looks like there's going to be a lot more rookies next year, unless Bergevin, you know, blows the roof off the house in the off season. Uh, I don't know how next season is going to turn out if that's the case. So it's, it'll be interesting. I think he's on a short leash, but it'll, it'll be interesting. Well, I mean, no GM is going to say I'm firing this guy in a couple of months. I mean, it, people should not be surprised by that. Uh, normally the kiss of death is I really trust this guy. I'm keeping him. So, oh. Um, in in this in this case, like every other case, it's just best to just wait and see what'll happen. Um, like you, I agree. Uh, Julian's a really good coach. He has won a Stanley Cup. No one can take away what he has done over the years. Uh, he has definitely not lost the room. These guys are still fighting tooth and claw. They're doing everything they can to stay in games. Um, but I don't think he is the man for the job. Just like you. Uh, the issue I have is when you go on social media, everyone's yelling, fire this guy, fire that guy, and nobody has any idea of what's available out there or who would be a better fit. Like, You feel that Julian should be fired, good for you, but tell me who you think should come in his place. And you got to keep in mind, Montreal is a special market and they have one extra requirement that other cities don't, and they have to speak French. And I totally agree with that. Like, or, I mean, I guess Alan Vino could be available to come in. Isn't uh, he coaching the Philadelphia Flyers? He's a no. I think he's is he? Yes, he is. Oh, I didn't think he was. I thought he was. Anyway, well, there you go. I don't know then. Bob Hartley. Hartley, sure. Yeah, he's out in the KHL under contract for a couple you know, of years. Maybe he'll uh, come back. But but see, that's 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 another thing. Like we have people. They, they argue we need to fire Julian, but you're right. Who are we going to hire? We're not hiring Patrick Waugh, although I've heard oh, people say that. No. Right? Because no, no, uh, no. him and Bergevin will not get along because Patrick Waugh wants full control. Bergevin, even uh, though, Patrick Waugh uh, doesn't get along with anyone. Like he's, um, a, he's a control freak. Is Dom Descharm really ready to take over the Canadians? Like, I don't think so. I don't think he is. Uh, although I do think he's there as a apprenticeship to Julian, to be sure. honest with you. Now, a name uh, I put forward is uh, Benoit Garou. He coaches in Syracuse. He's in the Tampa organization. He's been a head coach in the pro ranks for the last four years. Uh, but do we want a new rookie coach? I think that's the way to go. Like Sheldon Keefe's doing it. Like do a, do a guy who's been successful at the AHL and then move him up. Uh, just like you would do with a prospect, maybe. Which we yeah, exactly. Can get I mean, Guru's paid his uh, yeah. paid his dues in the junior ranks. He moved up to the pro ranks. He's paid his dues there. Um, yeah. So, I think he's ready for an NHL job. Why not give a fresh perspective from outside the organization at that? Yeah. Uh, and I have no issue with that. But but you're absolutely right. I don't mind you saying fire Julian. And I don't mind people saying this is why I want to fire because uh, trust me, the ammo's out there to have him fired. He hasn't made a playoffs and have and one year and what the last seven and then he got put out in the first round yeah so yeah. and when he took over it wasn't even really his team uh Tarion had started that the year they made the playoffs but anyway 
And, and uh, to, be, to be to be fair to him, we can't put the the, the onus of the the record no, no. all on him either. It's not so. it's not all him. He 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 has a bubble team type uh, uh, a team that's if everything goes right, they should be in the playoffs. Last year, they were the 14th best team in the NHL. It just so happened they were in the Eastern Conference and not the Western Conference. If they were in the Western Conference, they would have made the playoffs. Had they, they had, had that season last year, right now, they'd, they'd be in the be playoffs. Clearly in, yeah. So, right. um, so, yeah. The, the the fault's not all on him, but at the same time, if you're if you want to make a case to get rid of him, that's fine. But you know, put some back meat it on up. The bones. Yeah. Who who are you gonna bring in? Right. Like convince me. Like I mean, don't get me wrong. If you got fired tomorrow, I'm not gonna lose any sleep over it. Depending well, on who they decide to bring in. Exactly. Uh, it's the same goes with Bergevin. Everyone wants Bergevin fired. All right. Well, what French GM are you bringing in? Pierre Gauthier. <laughs> <laughs> but the, you know what I'm saying? Like, all right, sure. You want Bergevin fired? It, yeah, he's missed the last four to five playoffs. Uh, uh, you know, it's going to be the first time in 100 years that we lost three straight, haven't made the playoffs in three straight years. Okay, he's been eight years sure if you want to count his whole career as a whole all right so we fire him now who are you bringing in who are you bringing in and and what's their plan and we're going to get into bergevin's plan in a little bit so um we'll move on from julian and we're going to talk about the news that just came out today as we record it's uh thursday the 5th of march um the salary cap projection for next year is between eighty four and eighty eight point two million. Wow, um, that's, that's a big gap. That's a big gap. If it goes to the maximum of eighty eight, you're looking at an extra seven to eight million dollars. Uh, teams like Toronto are definitely hoping for that because Dubis, let's be honest, has backed himself into a corner, and, and that doesn't help teams like Montreal. Well, Montreal could lean on teams that uh, were up against the cap to try to get, uh, you know, some quality players or, or, or a good draft pick. Like they could sit there and say, hey, uh, we'll take this sh- shitty contract off you and let you get, you know, four to six million dollars under the con- under the cap, but you got to give us a first round pick or something sim- something similar to what Toronto did with Carolina. Yeah, or they could have traded, yeah. you know, a decent package for a good player. Right, just to take right. some cap off someone's hands, and but now with that extra cap space, teams are going to be less likely to do that. Well, exactly. But now, I mean, mind you, we all thought it was going to go up to eighty-five million last year, and only went up to what eighty-one or eighty-two. So, this again, this is just a projection. Yeah, we'll know we'll know more uh, almost for sure just before the draft, and yeah. which is good news because uh, it does seem that come draft day. The Canadians are pretty much prepared to make a big splash and put on a show. I, I truly believe, well. But we'll get into that in a bit. We'll get into that in a bit. Uh, with the, with this, It can be good and can be bad for Montreal. It can be bad if they want to get quality NHL players, but it can be good for Montreal in the, spec, in the retrospect that now they can go out and throw a little bit more money at that backup goalie. Uh, you know, it, they can get... Yeah maybe a Leonard or an Anderson or, or someone of quality that they could bring in as a backup and say, all right, we didn't really want to spend four to $5 million on a backup because we're already spending 10 and a half on our starter. But now that we have this more space, we can do that. I mean, I'm just trying to look at it as a positive spin on this, but, um, yeah, but I that's, don't know. that's assuming that a free agent will sign in Montreal. Cause we know exactly. that's, that's been a exactly. difficult, a difficult task. And it's been, I mean, try to think of the last big UF free agent to sign in Montreal, Camilleri. Freaking Sherratt. Okay, yeah, he is a superstar. Well, no, but Camilleri. I mean, yeah, that's he was. I a think that was game. the last big UFA name to come to sign. Really, but, and honestly, that I can remember. Well, he was he was the second big name because that same off season, uh, Gainey Gianta. also signed Gianta, but yeah. he got those two. Because Only of Gomez, be, exactly. So he had to yeah. overpay to get yeah. the that uh, his man in, so he can sign the two free agents. 
that uh, that kind of desperation move, uh, I think we should avoid because we saw how that turned out. Yeah, it was it was disaster. Yeah. So, I mean, the team for a couple of years looked really, really good for two for years. Cup, for two years. Yeah. But 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 that's what happens when you just build to make the playoffs. Exactly. You're going to be good for a year or two, and then you're going to start dropping off. And again, we'll get into this when we start talking about the plan. Speaking but, uh, of the plan. Let's start oh, talking about the plan. Let's talk about the plan. Yeah. Um, right. So, I mean, every team has a plan. And uh, I put out a poll talking about Rob Blake's plan for the LA Kings. And is it a good one? So, I got a shitload of, uh, of, of <sighs> votes. And it came back at 85%. That it's a good plan. Blake's plan, uh, as he explains it, is we understand the need to acquire assets. That's the focus on this team. We're a couple years in this position, being near the bottom. We have to reshape the roster. There's no doubt about that. Reshape, retool, rebuild. It's a lot of re's. Uh, They all mean the same freaking thing. Um, And the Kings have guys like Kopitar, um, Quick, Drew freaking Dowdy, the greatest defenseman in the NHL. Yeah. According to me. <laughs> but so these PK are, Subban. Yeah. Well, these guys are, they, they're big contract guys. They, there's a lot of money in there. And they're over 30. And they're over 30. Yeah, exactly. So you've got, a t- you've got two teams. Obviously, I'm bringing it back to the Canadians. Just like the Habs, they have some older assets getting paid a lot of money to be leaders and to help the team kind of stay competitive. Uh, they ha- they're they selling off some pieces. They have some young pieces moving in. They want to build through the draft. It's the exact same plan as every team rebuilding now, ex- with the exception of Buffalo and, for the longest time, Edmonton. We saw how Buffalo and Edmonton doing the full you know, fire sale rebuild, how that worked for them with one playoff appearance between the two teams in the last decade. It's not really working. So most teams go with what Rob Blake and Mark Bergevin are doing, where they keep some older guys, they try and stay competitive, they they ease their their youngsters in, maybe pick up some filler here and there and kind of hope for the best while they're building through the draft. So... When Rob Blake is doing it, 85% of people think it's a great idea. And in another poll I did a week before, 10% liked that plan with Bergevin. So my question to you is, what's the difference? Well, here's the difference. The difference is Bergevin said, our goal is to make the playoffs. What if he said our goal is to win the cup? But what I'm saying is Rob Blake never actually came out and said that. He oh just said, God. we got to retool, reshape, and do whatever. So I'm kind of playing devil's advocate here. Well, yeah. But that's what, and that's what people who don't like Mark Bergevin, because this is about the deliverer of the message and not the actual message itself. That's right. The people who don't like Mark Bergevin gravitate to the fact that he said, our goal is to make the playoffs, which should be every team's goal every year. Well, if you want to make money. Whether it's unrealistic or not. Yeah. Every team starting a season thinks, hey, maybe we can make the playoffs. Let's hope we can make the playoffs. Let's we probably don't have the, the team playoffs. to make the playoffs, but if we make it, great. And Mark Bergevin, many times through the past two years, has said, I am not going to sell my future just to make the playoffs. I am not going to deviate from my plan just to make this playoffs. And I was on Twitter having a discussion on Twitter today about this. And I actually said on Twitter about, I find it funny that people complain that there's a plan or the plan is going two ways, but then they complain that they're not making the playoffs, but they want to draft the draft picks, but still make the playoffs anyway. (laughs) Uh, So he's sticking with his plan. Like you may not like the plan, you may not agree with the plan, but Bergman's not deviate. Like everyone says, he doesn't have a plan. Well, he has a plan. 
His plan is to stay competitive while building through the draft, which is exactly what he's doing. Well, uh, I mean, had uh, multiple interviews this week. He he had interviews with LDS. He had interviews with Matthias Brunet of uh, La Presse. He had interviews with uh, Elliot Friedman. And each one was basically the same. Like he delivered the same message. He, they were they were very frank answers to what people called softball questions. But let's be honest. They asked him specifics about players and positions and what he's looking forward to. And he gave them frank answers. I mean, sure, you can call them softball questions all you want. But he, you're not going to go up to him and ask him, you know, these really in-depth questions that are, that concern private information and expect He's not going to give you the answer. No. But he did give you a view into his thought process behind certain uh, prospects, uh, the plan itself, what his what his thinking process is heading into the draft this year. Uh, so his plan is laid out in general terms, and it's easy to follow. And like you said, the plan is there. The plan is laid out. And if someone doesn't like that plan, that's one thing. But to say he doesn't have a plan, it's it's you're, ignorant. You're yeah, you're ignoring the obvious. Yeah, I mean, now, yeah. oh, go ahead. Yeah, so, so I, I completely understand uh, people feeling like he's got a foot in both, you know, on both camps. You know, we want to make the playoffs. We're building through the draft, but it's the same plan all GMs are running with now. So. Could he have spoken better or deliver, uh, delivered the message better? Of course. He is really bad for that. His trade deadline presser was terrible. Oh, yeah. It he was, was, it was confusing, his face. and it was all over the place. However, he wasn't wrong in what he said. Like he said, he didn't want to trade Petrie and Tatar for a high first-round draft pick because really, once you get that high in the draft, you're just – it's really lucky if you get a great player. And by high in the draft, you mean late in the round. Late 20 or higher in the first round. Tw- yeah, 20 or later. Just to be clear later. for our listeners. All right, 20 a, yeah. or later. Yeah, because high in the draft, a lot of people think high in the draft means, you know, top 10. Uh, I'm saying high number. Yeah. So 20 or later. So drafting 20, 20 or after 20, right? It, it He's not wrong. I mean, you should get a better quality player than you will in the second, third, fourth, or fifth round. But what he's saying is, unless you're picking in the top eight or ten, you're get, you're the player you're getting, I mean, from ten to twenty, you're probably going to get a, a pretty good top six forward or top four defenseman. And one to ten, you're probably going to get somewhere close, depending on the draft year, an elite player. Uh, one through three to five, you should be getting you know, an elite player or at least a top player. But after that, after 20, 20 and up or 20 and up 20 to 31 or 32, you know, you're kind of hoping that this guy turns out. It's not so much that when they pick Ryan Paling at 25th, they weren't like, yep, we got our star player. They were like, well, we got the best guy available at that time. Let's hope he works out to what we hope he can be. Yeah, and we we all saw the, uh, the the prices that were being thrown around at the trade deadline, and everyone wanted to get in on you know scoring some uh, scoring some really good uh, assets. Yeah. I was one of them. I was all on board with moving to Tar and Petrie. I had no problem with it. I know it would hurt for the following season. The team would be would be worse. Uh, the playoff prospects for that team would be gone. I got that. I had no problem with that. The issue I had was um, you had to get the right price. Like like you said, you can't just trade one of these guys and get a 25th overall pick because that's the, you know, contenders are the ones looking for these guys. So you had to get a, a top end prospect, you know, in, in their top five list plus that pick just to move these guys. And yep. they weren't getting that. Like, um, who was it? Uh, LeBron. LeBron was mentioning that Carolina was, you know, rumored to be willing to offer uh, Jake Bean and a first for Petrie. Well, that would have been a decent deal. The problem is they didn't seem really willing to want to pay that price. Instead, 
they paid uh, they paid out a first round pick to get Brady Shea out of the Rangers. Yeah. So they 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 got what they wanted in right hand defenseman, but they didn't give up the top uh, the top t- uh, top five prospect plus a pick. They just gave up a pick when they had and two I, to give up. I'm willing to bet, and I mean we kind of. I'm not trying to sound like a Bergevin homer, but no, no, we're setting the table for this discussion. That's yeah. all we're doing. And and what what I'm saying is is Bergevin, when he makes a trade, he ensures that he's getting the better deal in these in all his trades like he doesn't just make a trade to make a trade he makes he he wants to make sure that the montreal canadians the players coming to the canadians are going to help the canadians not just now but in three to five years from now no uh, and, and it's and he best. said this many times he said he's always looking five years ahead which is good i mean if you're going to be selling uh, 29 to a 32 year old player who's in their prime, going having a career season, which is both Petrie and Tatar are having right now. You wanna you wanna sell high. You wanna get those those uh, long term assets back. But you're Not gonna sell those guys higher in the off season. You could you could like maybe he wasn't getting the price he wanted at the deadline. Maybe more teams are gonna be available to jump in and make bids prior to the draft. That's a possibility. Or he holds on to them, and he trades one of them at the deadline if the team's not doing well, or who knows. But you have to set a price and say, you know what, I'm not going to give up this player for anything less than this. And you hold on to that, because if you just end up, like you said, with, a say, a 25th or 31st pick, you got a 50-50 chance the guy turns into an NHLer. And the chances that he's an NHLer is just as good as any one of the three second-round picks they already have. Yep, yep, exactly. They have 14 picks in this next draft. Yeah. 14. So what does, another dra- uh, what does another draft pick do for them when you already have 14? Well, nothing. It, it, it gives them a, a... Well, all it does is gives them a better chance at a second-round type player. It basically gives them an extra second-round player, especially picking that high. I mean, yeah, but I mean, who, you know, Berge, uh, Bergeron was a second-round pick. Uh Subin was a second round pick, and those guys Gallagher was every a fifth, year. Gallagher was a fifth round pick. And if you ask certain people, players like that are picked every single year. Yeah, Romanov. Look, it, it you can get a good player in the later you, rounds. You, you can, and you can get a good player late in the first round. Pasternak, sure, twenty six sure. overall. But, but yeah, but you also it, can get a Louis LeBlanc who was twentieth. Exactly. Or you, you can, actually bet. actually I think he was eighteen, but. Or you can get a Michael McCarron, who was twenty six. Yeah, you know, or a but Zach if, Fukali. And and I always say to people, like when they go on about Timmins, and I brought this up on my show on Tuesday. Look at where they drafted, what their need was at the time of that draft, and who was drafted before and after. Before you start spouting off on how crappy Timmins is doing and is drafting, or how crappy Bergevin is. Look at the time. And I went right back to the Ganey years because I was covering Timmons yeah. when Timmons really didn't have control. Ganey kind of had control, especially with the Louis LeBlanc pick. Um, and you really look at it and you had to go, all right, is this really on Timmons? Because in that draft, he wanted to draft Kreider, not Louis LeBlanc. So, yeah, so part of the plan should be to give full control to your draft experts. So Trevor Timmons uh, and Shane Churla, Churla being the head amateur scout, Timmons being in charge of all amateur drafting and scouts, those two should be left in charge of making the picks. Bergevin's job is to provide them as many darts to throw at the board as possible, and he's done that. And uh, we had Grant McCagg on um, last week, and he mentioned that was the method used by a certain GM that everybody loves to compare Bergevin to, saying Bergevin's the worst, Pollock's the best. Well, Sam Pollock, as, as great as he was, he made a lot of misses when he was drafting, just like every single scout, GM. GM. 
everybody misses, even the greatest GM to have ever lived. It happens. The difference is with Pollock, when he went into a draft, he would have 15, 16 draft picks. And, you know, he would miss on 10 or 11. But in that draft year, he would have four to six NHL players out of that draft class, which is an amazing haul. And we're seeing that now in the last three years. Uh, Timmons and Churla have been given free reign and a ton of draft picks. And we're seeing the 2017 draft is looking really good. Uh, the 2018 draft class is looking pretty solid. Last year's draft class is highly touted. Um, and the Canadians prospect pool is considered a top five prospect pool across pretty much every single uh, prospect uh, assessment guru in the NHL. So but that Blaine, side of it is good. They're just prospects. Of course they're just prospects. They've never, they've never even played in the NHL yet. They don't mean anything. Well, I mean... Every player before they join the league are just prospects. The I'm, point is, I'm, I'm, I'm just throwing out the arguments, yeah. Blaine. Well, if you're just, building through the draft, you're bringing in prospects, and if the more prospects you bring in, the the more likely is. A here's a mind blower for you. Players. Here's a mind blower for you. Every player in the NHL at one time was a prospect. No, I refuse to believe that. Every single one of them. McDavid was a prospect. No, he just he was hatched as a fully formed <laughs> NHL hockey player. Ovechkin was a prospect. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go, go off on a tangent here, away from the plan, away from drafting and all that crap. And I'm going to uh, talk. About, I'm not going to mention names, but someone in the Montreal media really irked me when they made a tweet mentioning how. Upsetting it is to see coaches like Julian and every other NHL coach, I might add, demanding that these offensively gifted players who are coming into the league focus on defense. I mean, what the? Who says that? I mean, what what sport are you watching? <laughs> Win something well, without defense. I dare you. I mean, that's why the Leafs have won cups year after year the last five years. Oh, wait. Edmonton. Edmonton's biggest issue was defense. Exactly. Last year, they McDavid had 116 points. Drysaddle had 50 goals. Where were they? Not in the playoffs. This year, they're putting up points, record points, but the rest of their team is playing defense. They're playing defense. And where is the team right now? One of the top teams in the West. Exactly. You have to, they're not sacrificing a lot of offense playing some D. They're coming back in the zone and covering their man and not giving up as many goals. It's not the 80s, folks. You're not going to, it's not like Grant Fuhr saying, oh, I'd give up seven goals because I know uh, Gretzky and Messi are going to score eight. Sorry, that doesn't fly. And I'm going to win the, I'm going <laughs> to win 30 games with a four goals against average. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, you can't use that team, one of the greatest offensive teams to have ever been assembled, and say, well, they did it. Yeah, yeah, they did it. They had what, 11 Hall of Famers on that team? Well, this Seriously? goes back to the plan, too, Blaine. This goes exactly. back to my issue, my issue with the plan is everyone doesn't like the plan because Montreal is going to miss four of the next five years, four out of five playoffs, and three straight. We don't do that. This is not your 1980s, 1970s Montreal Canadiens team. No. This is no. not your 80s, 70s NHL league. Okay? Yeah. Uh, if you ever watched any teams, Pittsburgh, L.A., Chicago, uh, any teams who have recently won Stanley Cups, they all went through five to ten years of terrible uh, hockey where they got number one draft picks and stuff like that. And Montreal, the fans are already doing it. They're complaining that Bergevin's walking two lines here, but he has to because if he misses the playoffs more than once, everyone jumps down his throat and thinks, well, no GM should ever stay a, a GM if he's missing playoffs this much. Well, what do you want? Do you want to get that elite player that's picked in the top five? Because if you want a team like Washington in that, you're going to have to do that two or three years in a row. Now, keep in mind, uh, those teams that you mentioned, uh, 
this was back when the draft lottery was first introduced and for you to be in the top you had to be in the top three to be part of the lottery correct now with the way the lottery's weighted and set up just missing the playoffs puts you in the lottery look at the flyers uh the year they got nolan patrick second overall they were i believe they were 12th or 13th and then they jumped up to two yeah. And 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 Montreal looks like if they continue the way they're going, they'll probably be ninth. Which going means in, they'll, yeah, they'll end up going the into the lottery. Pick. Yeah, maybe they uh, win the lottery, maybe not, but they'll be, end up with the top ten pick, which is this year is really good. But the point I'm trying to get to is, even if you finish dead last, you only get an eighteen percent chance of winning the draft lottery. Exactly. Yeah. So, what's what what use is it? To go to full tank mode, and I talked about this earlier in the show when I brought up Buffalo and Edmonton, going full fire sale and purposely trying to lose. You end up losing all the players that have that uh, that have experience. You bring in these new young guys who are still learning how to be pros, and you don't have anyone guiding them into becoming NHL players. The way NHL teams are doing it now, after seeing that happen and seeing that tanking doesn't guarantee you anything with the draft, they're going with the way Rob Blake is going, Mark Bergevin is going. Every team rebuilding is going the same way. You keep some veterans, you do whatever you can to make the team competitive, and then you use as many draft picks as possible to add to your prospect pool. Pittsburgh Pittsburgh did it perfectly. When they got Crosby and Malkin and that, they did it perfectly. They kept a few veterans around, knowing they weren't going to be that great of a team. And this was back when they, when you, you, if you finished last, you were guaranteed at least a first, second, or third pick, no yeah. matter how and the they lottery. Were, they were down there. They had four years in a row where they were first or second. Correct. Because they had Stahl at second, Malkin at second, Crosby at one, yep. and Fleury at one. And they that was their team. There's their core. And, and once they got those guys, Rutherford, or I think it was Rutherford at the time, yes. yeah. he would just went out and bought veterans in. All right, I need someone to bring Crosby Shiro. and Malkin along. Shiro, uh, Shiro yeah. I need yeah. Uh, this guy. I need this guy. And that's all he did. So he did it a bit backwards, but it was the same concept. Well, I mean, he, he, got the, he drafted, he got these guys, there's his core, and then yep. he, he grafted on other people that were, you know, a little bit later drafts. Like Latang was a hit in the second yep. round. Yep. Stuff the people like that. And then he was able to get free agents and he was able to make smaller trades because he had his core, so he was able to trade away, you know, this first round pick or that that prospect. But and, nowadays you're not guaranteed to get your first, your second pick if you fi- if you finish dead last. No, that's true. So you don't have not- that. But if you have your top prospects and your top prospects move into the NHL and they start producing, then you have that you have your core in place, and then you can trade away uh, lesser prospects, lesser to you, but you know top end guys to yeah. other teams. You can use that to help graft other pieces on. And so, again, I say anyone who sits there and says Bergevin doesn't have a plan is either not paying attention to whatever's going on, or they have no idea what they're talking about. Now, as I mentioned earlier, I'm going to get get to it here. This is not a, a you know, filet Bergevin episode. This is the meat of it here now. Bergevin's plan is a decent plan. I, I see the value of it. Um, there's some aspects of it that I would have done a little differently at, up to this point, but he is now at the at the crossroads of that plan. He's got 14 picks this year, but there's a grand total of about 42 prospects. If he uses all his picks this year in the last couple of years, he can't sign them all. No. He needs. He knows what he needs. He knows he needs a left-handed defenseman. He knows he needs better scoring. He's got the assets in place to make these trades now. The crossroads is here this summer. We're going to watch the show happen in Montreal uh, for the draft. He knows what he needs, and he knows he has to make these moves because, in my opinion, Molson gave him a mandate, and I think that this is the year. He has to put together a team this year that is going to make it into the playoffs. If he doesn't, he's gone. Well, I've been saying, what, for two years now, that 21-22 is the season? <clears throat> and I think the 2021 re- is the year. 
Well, okay. I, I always said 21-22 because that's the year that the expansion draft comes out, and that's the year where guys like Kotkaniemi, Paling, and all these guys are should be Caulfield, Romanov, all these guys should be in their, not their prime, but NHL ready. Okay? Uh, he has, the Athletics says the second best prospect pool. Button says top five. We'll say top five prospect pool in the league. He has to use that prospect pool. He has to use his assets to fill the holes he's not going to be able to fill with these rookies. Right? Uh, Caulfield, yep, lots of talent, lots of whatever. I think he's going to be a great goal scorer. Uh, but what's he going to be like five on five? You know, you know, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. And, and Bergevin has already said that he doesn't feel he's, not, he's ready he's for ready. the NHL. And perfect. So, perfect. Yeah. Great. Leave him in now, Wisconsin. Everyone bitched about the fact that the, they're not developing now that they're putting guys in the minors and actually starting developing. People are kind of bitching about that. But anyway, no one's and ever he had, mentioned, he, he talked about development as well, saying yeah. part of our draft plan was to pick guys in Europe and going to the NCAA because those guys take, you're allowed to hold on to that, those assets yep. for four years versus two for CHL players. Yep. So that that's you can he, he's giving you a, a view into the draft process and what they're planning ahead for. Um, so, but he, he, yeah, so he needs I, he needs these guys to show up though. Again, I'm not trying to blow up smoke Bergman's Ber, uh, no. ass or anything. I'm no. just trying to. My point is, is by 21-22, if he does not have somewhat of a contender or annual playoff team, then he's, if he's still looking five years ahead, then you got to move on. Because if you're just going to keep looking five years ahead, you're always going to be looking five years ahead. Now, and the that, that five years never comes. Yeah, and the reason I mentioned that this coming season is the, the make or break year for him is because he held on to guys like Tatar and Petrie. They're yes. going into their last year. Yeah. And he declared that next year they're going to try and go for it again. Well, that's great. Uh, he he kind of hinted at making moves on, on defense to bolster the defense. And to me, that those are those are signals that he is sending out saying, this is the year that we're going to really step up and try and compete. Now, I'm well, not, saying, not saying contender. I'm saying compete, like truly nope. compete, not this... And- We'd like to make the playoffs. It'd be great. No. No, this we are going to be a playoff team. We have to make the playoffs. Yeah. Because yeah. like you said, they've missed quite a few times. And I, I'm I mean, I've got uh, I've got some patience and I understand the plan. You miss one year terribly, it, you decide the heck with it, we're gonna do a reset. Then you have a good year and just miss. Then you have a bad year this year and miss. But next year you have to show progression. You have to make the yeah. playoffs to give these guys the the experience. So this is the year they have to do it. And I think Molson, this is my opinion. This is not anything I've heard through the grapevine or rumors or I think You're Molson an insider. We know it now. <laughs> I maybe I do know some people. Either way, um that I I believe that Molson gave him the mandate to make the playoffs this year because Molson wants to make money. Listen. That's enough. Anyway, I'm not going to get into it, but you need to make the playoffs. Need to, to make, make the playoffs to make money for all these people right. who think he's a penny pincher and he's doing this to make money or save money. You make more money if you make the playoffs. It's like Shocking. a fact. Yeah. So, I think that this is the year that uh, Molson Molson said, "I want my playoffs. I want my team here. I want I want to see some home playoff wins. I want the fans excited again." And keeping Tatar and Petrie with only one real free agent to sign, that's Domi this year, knowing that in the future there's going to be more. I don't see the team spending all the way to the cap because I don't see any real UFAs wanting to come to Montreal, but a trade or two uh, to bring in, say, a lefty and maybe, uh, maybe a little bit of scoring punch uh, without giving up that top 10 pick, but I think everything else is on the table. So, I uh, I think that first day in, in uh, on the draft on the Friday night we're going to hear uh, we have a trade to announce and Montreal's going to be part of it and there's going to be some, you know lots of cheering and you know it's going to be a big show. Well, they got to do something or else Ottawa's going to steal that draft. Yeah, exactly. 
Exactly. So, I mean, they're going to have three first-round picks, two in the top ten, and, uh, yeah, anyway, that's that. Yeah, so <laughs> if you don't like Bergevin, I completely understand yep. why you, you don't. Yep. He, you he, have, is, he, he can be very uh, obnoxious. He can be very condescending. He, I've seen it. I've heard it. I get it. Uh, there's times I dislike them. Uh, I dislike him and what he has done, but I have to be honest with what I've seen to this point, what I understand the plan to be, why I believe that it's working to an extent and why teams do it. At the same time, I don't see this lasting more than this year. And if you don't like Bergevin and he's fired and you're, you're excited about that, good for you. Honestly, good for you. My only point is, be careful what you wish for, because what the hell's coming up after him? That's that's a, my big thing. You want Bergevin fired? All right. Again, it's like the, the question with Julian. Who's replacing him? If Breezeball were available? Yes. I'd jump I, all over that. I would have jumped on that two years ago. Yes. When... I've made I've made this point before. When the Canadians had that terrible season after Markov and Radulov left, I was 100% on board with firing Bergevin at that time because Brisbois was available. Bring him in. Hire him. He would have made an I, excellent GM. I have no issue firing Bergevin anytime as long as the guy coming in is going to do better. You want someone better. You don't want to just you fire want this guy better. and get someone worse. But, let, let, but let's look at it. Bergevin gets fired. Yay! What, what French GM is coming in? And when he comes in, is he going to completely blow up the team to make it his own? Or is he going to see what the plan was and go, oh, I understand that plan, and then keep going? Because if he understands the plan and keep going, and nobody bitches about that, then you obviously just hate a Bergevin. Well, I mean, it's pretty clear that the that people who hate Bergevin just hate Bergevin. Because just I hate, made, no matter I made what the point is. with my Rob Blake post. Yeah. Comparing it to, and it was, it's the exact same freaking plan. I get it. I, I know why you don't like Bergevin. It's been, a, he's had eight years. You know, he, he had some success and then he traded away a couple of fan favorites. Pacioretty being one of my favorite players of all, you know, of all time. I love that guy. I'm happy he's doing great in Vegas. I hope, I wish him all the success in the world. I really do. I was a huge PK fan. A huge PK fan. Me too. Loved sure. him. I thought he was a terrible defender, but loved him. Uh, and when he traded him, I was my shocked. Old, I wasn't shocked because the rumblings were there. Yeah. But uh, I uh, I just was shocked that he didn't get a center. I was disappointed to all hell that he, he didn't get a center. Anyway. Anyway. The yeah. point is. If you want Bergevin gone, and I understand why you would. Yep. I mean, I have wanted him gone at times as well. But right now, I don't, simply because I don't know what the hell's going to be coming in behind him. And that's why I'm indifferent about it. I didn't want him gone, but if he was fired, again, I'm not going to lose sleep over it. I'm afraid of what they would hire, to be brutally honest, right now. I don't know what's out there, to be exactly. honest with you. I, I've been looking around. I've been scouring the internet for who's, whose contracts are going to be up. Who Patrick Wall. Made, Patrick Wall will be the GM of the Montreal Canadiens. And he would destroy the team. because Sign he, guy wants uh, Patrick Wall. That's who we're getting. Well, I would trade Price just so he can come back out of retirement and play that. <laughs> if he wins, I wouldn't care. <laughs> but he won't. <laughs> no, that's true. And I love, I love Pathetic as a player, but uh, I've seen him in the queue and how he, you know, how he manages his bench. Yeah, he's won uh, in Quebec City, but at the same time, I don't think his uh, his methods would work in the NHL today. He's had success. He's some, had success in Colorado. Some. Yeah, and then he quit suddenly because he wasn't getting his way. So exactly. again, again. So, but maybe uh, as a GM, he'd be different. I don't know. I'm just throwing it out there. I just don't think his methods would work. That's what Pat scares me. Patrick Wall is my all-time favorite Montreal Canadian. So. Bob Gainey was mine. I think it would be hilarious if he came back as GM. I would think it would be hilarious. Well, yeah, and because then how would uh, why would people hate him at that point? I mean, honestly, oh, someone will hate, they'll hate him eventually. Yeah, they always do. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so the plan, there is a plan. 
Some of it's good. Some of it's bad. Bergevin has sucked at times. He's done well at times. He's an average GM. This is basically, this entire episode has been uh, the hockey version of A Tale of Two Cities. It's been the best of times. <laughs> it's been the worst of times. <laughs> it was a good first five years. It's been a bad five, that last five years. <laughs> he was a good GM when he came in. Now he's a shitty GM. Maybe he's I think good, he's the exact same GM, to be honest with you. I think he's yeah, the exact same come, guy. I think made, his plan's been trades. there all along. His team's just doing too well for him to really use it. This is the plan he should have used day one. This is what pisses me off. He should have done this day one. But instead, I, I, but, but he's he learned from his mistakes. Like, like play devil. Like, you play good guy. I'll, you go, you're a bad cop. I'll be good cop. Okay, fire his ass. <laughs> Bergman came in, a brand new GM, who's assistant GM in Chicago. He comes yeah, in. He win there. Two Stanley Cups. All yeah. right. So he comes in, and he uh, he takes over a team that he thinks isn't going to be a very good team. He was everyone, right because it sucked when he showed up. It, it was sucked a when he showed team. up. It was terrible. It was like their worst season in 50 years or something. You remember You remember people being excited about Brock Trotter maybe making the team? <laughs> I remember that. I love Brock Trotter. Brock Trotter's my Ed Ronan. Ed Ronan was one of my favorite players. <laughs> anyway, uh, there's a name I haven't said in a while, Ed Ronan. Um, anyway, so he comes in, and all of a sudden Montreal like wins the division the next year or something stupid. Shortened season and Norris yeah. Trophy to the Norris best Trophy to PK and, and oh yeah everything's happening and then the next year they go to the freaking Eastern Conference Finals. So then he's like, "What the hell do I do now?" They could <laughs> well, have made the finals had Price not got hurt. Not got hurt. God no. I don't think. Uh, I don't want to say I don't think they would have. God knows what would have happened if they made the finals. They could so have there's, won. They could. There's, have let's won. play a what if. If Montreal won the Stanley Cup that year, does everyone still hate Bergevin? You know, honestly, I think people would still hate him, but at the same time, they would have to shut up because he won a Stanley Cup in Montreal. So you get, you win in Montreal, you get a lot more leeway. I, I'm a just lot. saying, like, do you see what I'm saying? Like, if they would have won the Cup that year, you know, would have made, but they didn't. So that's why no, even no, there. they've won nothing. All they got was a bunch of playoff success and division titles. That is nothing. It's a Stanley Cup. In Montreal, if you win the Cup, there's no more pressure until the next year when you have to win again. And, and you, you brought that up on Twitter today or I yesterday. Did. I did, yeah. But uh, uh, And it's true. Like, so, say Montreal, even though I think they're losing right now to Tampa Bay. Um, oh, yeah, they're getting their butts handed to them. Yeah, say Montreal wins the next 14 games. And they make it into the playoffs and they go to the third round. Was it a success? No, they didn't win the cup. <laughs> exactly. No one's going to be happy. Everyone's still going to be bitching about Bergman. Oh, the only reason you went there is because of Carey Price. The only reason you did this was because you got lucky. Because Toronto and Florida shit the bed. So, I mean, you could very argue right now the only reason why Toronto's in third place is because Florida and Montreal have shit the bed. Well, yeah. Cause That's the only Florida reason why Toronto's suck. there. And... Uh, uh, I'm sorry. Everybody, Dale Talon should be fired. Mark Bergeron should be fired. <laughs> I mean, if he gets fired tomorrow again, I'll be like, all right, I I can see why he got fired. I get it, right? Yeah, it's you Montreal. Know you know what? We, Toronto's going in the playoffs, and we're Shanahan down in L.A. right now, telling everybody that Matthews should be winning the Selkie and the Art Ross at the same time because he's the greatest. Yeah. He's the greatest centerman in the NHL right now. Yeah. No, he's I'm, not even the I'm, best, not, kid, he's I'm not, not kidding. He he's not even the greatest. Shit. He's not even the greatest centerman on his team. I know. I know. So <laughs> like, yeah, you should he's he should be in the running for the Selkie and I'm like <coughs> cough cough Bergeron <laughs> cough cough. Like come on. JT's better than him. Dunno should be in the running for the Selkie. Sure. He's not he's not going to win it. God, but no. Because he's in Montreal and he sucks. <laughs> oh, wait, I think was I play, was I'm still am I still supposed to be playing devil's advocate here? Yeah. Well, I'm just saying. Fire good cop, know. bad cop. Good cop, bad cop. Fire I'm, to I'm know. just saying. <laughs> everyone, I I get on Twitter. Everyone think there's a lot of people who think I'm this big Bergevin Homer, but I mean, if you actually yeah. listen to me and read my tweets, I'm just pointing out 
actually what's happening. Like I, I, I get sick and tired of this. Well, four of the last five. Well, what about the five before that? You're basically running a Bergeron massage parlor. Like you're in I there am. rubbing them down I hard. I, well, I, I do hit the gym. I'm getting my burger arms up. So, Remember, you know, buy your supplements. I do. Yeah. I got my burger arm supplements. <laughs> Trust me, when you guys see you at the draft, you'll be like, holy shit, this guy really was taking his burger arm supplements. No, I actually fucking walk past you at work. I know what you look like. <laughs> you need to buy more burger arm supplements. <laughs> you'll be surprised, Blaine. You'll be surprised. Now that I'm at the, now that I'm with the divers. Yeah. Yeah, you're going down a lot. I get it. You know what would surprise me? You wearing pants. You know, you should try that sometime. Pants? Pants are for pussies. Well, yeah, they're to cover them up. Anyway, whatever. <laughs> if Bergevin gets fired, he gets fired. My, my only thing is that I'm with you. If he gets fired, who the hell's replaced him and what the hell is this guy going to do? That, there you go. For our <laughs> listeners, if you can research one francophone who would be qualified as a GM and DM it to the Habs Unfiltered account and tell us this is the guy you would hire to replace Bergevin. Um, we'll retweet that and we'll, uh, I'll even, you know what, I'll even write an article about it for the hockey writers. And I'll... And I will name you as the genius who brought this up. And I will go on Toxic Tuesday and tell you how stupid you are. <laughs> Yeah, but I, I, you know, I, would put I, I won't actually. If it comes up to be actually, I'll be like, yeah, actually, that's pretty good. Uh, that's a pretty good call there. You know, it's nice but. to work for a real website now, uh, and get paid. Be able to get paid, but to work for a real website and then put stuff out like this that our listeners can be interactive with, and not have to worry. Actually, about, speak your mind. Yes, exactly. Not have to fit a narrative. Exactly. Or and, go with a bias. <laughs> with their bias. Um, but to bring in our listeners and I can write about anything I want and use them and include them. Whereas before I couldn't, no, it's nice. We to couldn't even, we couldn't even interview people. It took so, us three years to get Grant McCagg on our show because somebody didn't like him. Can you imagine if we tried to get Brian Mudrick? Oh, we weren't allowed before. No, that's my point. Yeah. Like, why? Why not? Yeah. That was a great interview. And, this is why we did what we did for our listeners. That's right. To give you guys a better show where we can actually drop the uh, drop words like shit, poop, boobs, pussy. Exactly. Without being overly douchebaggery. I mean, everybody knows Treg's a giant douche. I am a giant douche. I take gym selfies. He takes gym selfies, which right there tells you everything you need to know. Giant douche. Giant at least you're wearing a half shirt sometimes. I do. Yeah. I do. Although the person behind you, when you take those gym selfies, take a look behind you every now and then because the guy in the mirror was looking at you and wondering, what kind of douche does this? Yeah. Yeah. And that guy is right. Seriously, what kind <laughs> of douche does that? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, this douche does. You know what? Tomorrow I'm taking a gym selfie and putting it on Twitter for spite. Oh, yeah. Hashtag douche. Yeah, I'm going to put the hashtag douche. Jim douche. <laughs> From now right, on, so, everyone. Yeah. When you when you when you when you read when you tweet me or say something to me, hashtag Jim douche. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! Now I'm daddy's going to have some fun. <laughs> All uh, right. So uh, we'll 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 end this the show. show just went in the toilet. <laughs> oh yeah, hardcore <laughs> flush this stuff just like Bergie's plan. <laughs> <laughs> We've just been ranting for the last twenty minutes about nothing. <laughs> hey, Matt, Matt's our glue, man. <laughs> <laughs> He's the only one with enough brain cells to say, "Hey, maybe we should go somewhere, do something else." He's our Canadian Forces duct tape. <laughs> Well, that's he's got all that time sitting in chairs drinking coffee. Like we're at work doing stuff, and he's he's relaxed. So he comes on the show all relaxed. He's ready to go. We're not, we're just tired. We get I just, tired. I just realized I'm like, oh my god, we've just been talking for twenty. Our fans are gonna be like, what the hell just happened? Those guys are, yeah, 
One's a douche <laughs> and one one's just what the hell's wrong with that Blaine guy? Uh, he's an ass. Blaine's an ass. If what you ever dick. met Blaine, you will realize he's like he's an asshole. I may be a douche, but he's an asshole. You just ask people who work for me. Just ask people who don't work for him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't even get it. I don't. I don't even know how I'm going to put a commercial in the show. <laughs> eh, we'll figure something out. Yeah. Oh, speaking of commercials, before we ah. end the show, use promo code Unfiltered20 when you go to SeatGiant.ca when you're buying any tickets to hockey games, plays, concerts, anything at all. SeatGiant.ca. Use the promo code Unfiltered20, and you will save thirty five percent. Off of your purchase fees for buying that ticket, so you save money when you use us. So use us. Yeah, use us. We are we are happy being used. We're, oh, we're two old middle aged married men. We're used to it. Yeah, use daily, and not in the way we want. No, no. I was just fixing no, drywall, no. so totally being used. Anyway, I went to Lulu. I went to Lululemon. <laughs> Jesus. Was your does your wife know that you she was with me? Oh. oh, all right. I just spent five hundred dollars at Lululemon. Oh dear God! All right. Well, uh, we'll end the show on the Lululemon <laughs> post, and uh, we better get money from Lululemon for that now. I'm writing maybe. them. Uh, maybe we'll get it from Walmart. Either way, <laughs> um, yeah. So use the promo code unfilter twenty at cgiant.ca. Uh, fire Bergevin, and always remember if you're talking about it. So are we. Hashtag douche. Jim douche. Jim douche. Successful companies find unconventional answers. That's why Zamboni keepers is your source for wins. When you need someone to hold down your fort, when your normal goalie is out injured, we have the answer for you. Call 1-800-BONY-DRIVER. We have a Zamboni driver available in a rink near you, ready to play nets. For only the cost of a team jersey, our Zamboni experts will be able to face your league's most expensive and nationally overhyped offensive players and provide your team the chance to win. Call one 800 bony driver and win Successful companies find unconventional answers. That's why Zamboni Keepers is your source for wins. When you need someone to hold down your fort, when your normal goalie is out injured, we have the answer for you. Call 1-800-BONY-DRIVER. We have a Zamboni driver available in a rink near you, ready to play nets. For only the cost of a team jersey, our Zamboni experts will be able to face your league's most expensive and nationally overhyped offensive players and provide your team the chance to win. Call 1-800-BONY-DRIVER and win. And that concludes another episode of Habs Unfiltered. We would like to thank all our listeners, old and new, for joining us. We hope you were informed and entertained. And always remember, if you are talking about it, so are we.
I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent, almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network.